What's up everyone and welcome to episode 61 of the Justin Insight podcast. My name is Tim Backbeck. I'm a writer. I'm a lover of films, music and wrestling. But most importantly of all, I'm your body and vehicle through this podcast. Uh, Got to start off with a couple of apologies this week. Uh, First of all, there was meant to be a second part to last week's WrestleMania Roundtable episode. Uh, But with Mania itself being five hours long and then some personal stuff at home, didn't get a chance to to record one so do apologize for that um i'll give you a brief synopsis first three and a bit hours were rad after that went downhill very quickly um but overall mania pretty pretty fun um as far as wrestlemania's goes there's been some howlers in the last couple of years and this was this was not one of them um secondly sorry this week's episode is going out to you a day later Um, But it's been a pretty manic few days for me, so I haven't had a chance to edit anything. So yeah, that's why this is coming out to you a day later. Um, Since we last spoke, uh, my band The Divorce Eve had our first shows of 2018. Uh, We played in Southampton with our good friends in Hackjob and Mr Lizard. That was a, a really fun show, really hot, really sweaty, which is just how I like it. Um... And it's always rad to see Mr. Lizard. They are probably one of the most underrated bands in the UK. And I really want to get Tom, their drummer, on this show. So, Tom, if you're listening, hit me up. Um, We also played uh, the Washed Out Festival in Brighton on Saturday, uh, which was really fun. We played it last year. And, again, this this year was really fun. A bit worried at first because we were first on our stage and it didn't seem like anyone was going to be there. But the room seemed to, to fill up, so that was... That was nice. Uh, got to see Dagamouth, who obviously Kenny was a guest on the show recently, so it was cool to see them. Um, and also got to see Algie Bloom, who were hands down my band of the weekend. Um, if you're unaware of them, please go check them out. Awesome sort of uh, old school style screamo from uh, I think like Norwich way maybe. Um, but yeah, I want to get them on this show at some point as well and. They're playing Mr. Stars, which I'm going to, so it might happen out there. We'll we'll wait and see. Um, now, the reason that we're a day late uh, in releasing this episode is because last night, when it's usually my normal editing night, uh, which Monday, yeah, Monday when this comes out, um, is I went to see Tiger's Draw in Southampton, and oh my god, they were absolutely incredible. I haven't had a chance to see. I keep missing them every time they're over. Finally, got a chance to see them. Um, and just oh so many feelings of that show like just loads of fun and yeah just really really cool but we're here now we're at episode 61 uh, and my guest this week is Pretty Pistol uh, vocalist Laura LaRox uh, we discussed Laura's journey into punk rock her journey how she got into music uh, her being an advocate for safe space venues and how Pretty Pistol is kind of her little baby and has evolved from 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 there and, and to what we have today um the band has just released their debut ep uh welcome to the dead club which is i love it it's rad it's really cool it's that really sort of that old school style uh riot girl kind of punk rock sort of sound to it so yeah it's really really cool um uh, so go check that out after you enjoy listening to my little chat with laura so please sit back enjoy yourselves and i'll see you on the other side
Joining me this week on the Justin Insight podcast is vocalist of Pretty Pistol, Laura LaRox. Laura, thank you very much for for joining me, and I'm I'm glad to hear your throat infections all all cleared up. Thank you. Oh my god, me too. It's been the worst ten days ever. <laughs> yeah. What what was it? Was it just sort of yeah, o- overworking or? It was just blistered, and it just it was horrendous. Honestly, like I'm so glad I didn't have any gigs or anything like that because it just wouldn't have been doable. No, I I can imagine. Like I've. I only had one gig where I like proper blew my my voice out, and yeah. that was that was no fun whatsoever. So. There's just no going back from it at all. Once and like once you start coughing with it as well, that's it. You just you just screwed. You <laughs> yeah. It's horrible. I'm so glad it's over. Perfect. Well, um, as the title of the show kind of gives a guess, uh, it's called Justin Insight. So I like to take my my guests kind of back to their their origins and kind of work, work our way through to, to where we are now. So what was kind of your, your first introduction to alternative sort of punk music? Oh, God, it was when I was younger, when I was about 13, 12, 13. Um, my dad had a couple of Nirvana tapes. Okay. So I always remember being in the car with him and him having Nevermind and In Utro on tape and always playing it. And I think that kind of got me into the alternative music so I was just obsessively listening to Nirvana over mm. and over again constantly um, and through them I started hearing bands like Hole, The Distillers, um, or more of the Riot Girl stuff like Babes in Toyland um, and then from then that was just it, I was just hooked on it. Yeah and um, why do you think like that was kind of obviously as you said your dad kind of had the, the Nirvana tapes but yeah were, were you kind of just were you surrounded by like punk music because I think a lot of kids sort of who are, are of that age maybe kind of grow into it gradually but it, it kind of sounds like you were around that sort of through parents and developed on your own that way yeah definitely from my parents side I mean my mom and my dad are really really into music um even now so I always kind of had it there for me um whereas like my brother and my sister never really got into it I think I just sort of followed that path and then that was it and then obviously in school you have your friends and you know there's like a bunch of people that you're going to gigs with and mm. so a lot of times we were like skipping school and, and going up to like Brixton Academy and going to gigs there um and I think yeah just because I got into it at that age I think it just stuck with me yeah well before we get into kind of your sort of going to gigs and stuff the, the other thing that I like to ask is kind of what was the first kind of uh seminal alternative gig that you remember going to like when you kind of first experienced punk rock live that you can really remember and stands out in memory to you the first one that i went to um was rancid oh awesome and that we were quite young i think we were about 12 or 13 and i didn't really know who they were but it was just a case of we used to go on sea tickets and just look at what what gigs were out yeah Um, and i recognized the name of them but didn't really know who they were but you know at that age didn't care Mm. we went to whatever and I remember me and my friend getting tickets to it and then going up to Brixton Academy and going to see them play and it just being absolutely mental. And you've obviously mentioned sort of going to, to Brixton, so I guess, do you grow up sort of South London sort of area? No, I'm from Hertfordshire originally. Oh, okay. Um, so we got um, a little like like alternative venue back there called Club 85. 
Um, and when we were young, they would always sort of, they'd have gigs in, but they'd let you in if you were like 16, 14. Okay, yeah. um, so we'd always go to them as well. And again, it didn't really matter what bands were playing. You went sort of every Thursday night, every Friday night anyway. Um, so there was always that little scene at home. That's kind of died off a lot now. Um, I think the smaller venues aren't doing so well. But when we were younger, it was huge and everyone was going to these gigs. And it was just so much fun at that time. I think that the whole time you're kind of in your head, it's like, oh, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to play. Yeah. And it kind of gives you, I guess, like an aim to do it. Mm. And so when you were kind of around that scene, I'm trying to think, because was that sort of around the time that kind of uh, Ghost of a Thousand and those sort of bands were kind of get getting a bit more notoriety? Because that was that kind of scene, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that kind of scene. And Enter Shikari. Oh, yeah, of course. Because um, they were, they're quite local. I can't remember where exactly they're from, but they would be. They're playing on Club Eighty Five every month or every. Oh, month. Yeah. Um, and now you think of it now, and look where they're playing. It's just absolutely crazy. No. Um, and everyone loved them, and everyone would be going to see Enchikari. And then there was my passion as well. They were doing the same thing, so everyone was going to those gigs. Um, and I, I don't think they're together anymore. But obviously, Shikari. Yeah. Yeah. I'll always remember. Um, I think this is before Shikari even had like a an EP or something out, but they um they played like a little community because I'm from Portsmouth, so they played a okay, little yeah. they played a little community center down here, and this was because I'm now straight edge, but this is when I used to still drink. Yeah. Um, didn't have a clue who they were, and I was into my like really sort of heavy beat down sort of stuff. So okay, to yeah. to hear all the electronics and stuff, I was like this is shit sort of thing <laughs> and I remember going up to um, the vocalist at the time obviously being a little bit drunk I was like mate you're rubbish get off sort of thing and now look at him so I was clearly yeah. clearly very wrong because just as they came out and started doing their thing that massive indie scene came out as well and I really wasn't into that at all so I couldn't get into that and that's when you know other bands with, with a lot more electronics and stuff were coming out and it was just indie bands all over. Like Arctic Monkeys were doing their thing when they first came. Um, but I never got into that either. Like, I really didn't didn't vibe to that at all. No, I, I was the same. I was, yeah, not not my not my bag. No, not at all. And that was huge, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, I'm gonna sort of step back a little bit, Laura, and obviously yeah. go back to kind of your introduction of, of music and kind of how you kind of got into music yourself. So obviously being the vocalist in, in Pretty Pistol, was it always yeah. the desire to, to be a vocalist or did you pick up any other instruments when you were younger? What it was, actually, I, I wanted to play guitar originally when I was about sort of 12, 13. And I remember pestering my parents to get me a guitar for my birthday, like an electric guitar. Mm. Um, and eventually I got one and I was just... I just I was just so obsessed with like Courtney Love, Kurt Cobain, Brody Dell, that that's kind of what I wanted to be. Yeah. And I remember like sitting up at like late night looking at YouTube videos of like Hole um, and trying to copy what she was playing on guitar. Okay. Um, so I was doing that a lot, but I still can't play guitar. <laughs> I, can't it. So I can't play anything. Um, and I don't, I don't know how people do it live either. Like, no, I know. So after I realised that wasn't going to happen, I, I just knew I wanted to be in a band, I knew I had to do it, and I knew that had to be my life. Um, so, so it started sort of just with vocals, and I can't sing, like I can't hold notes, like <laughs> yeah. I really struggle with it. And I remember getting a little group together, um, and booking a little rehearsal room in Luton, and we, we had nothing written, we were like, we'll just go in there and just 
just try and do something. Um, and not even like knowing how I would sing or how it was going to come out, just just sort of hoping that it was going to work. Yeah. And it was just very shouty. And I used to be really sort of like self-conscious about it. And I'd get really sort of like, I don't know, I just, I thought it was so bad mm. because I couldn't sing that it wasn't okay. And okay. now I realise that I've developed it and it's become like, a thing the style of it and now I've like absolutely love it I'm so glad I can do it but at the time I was just so paranoid about it being awful yeah sort of people would think about it um but yeah there was there was no guitar playing for me <laughs> no. as much as I wish there was but... I think I, I was kind of the same like because my my older brother he plays guitar so I was sort of like, oh yeah, yeah. I want to be like him kind of thing and then I was like oh no I want to be a bit different I want to try drums and I don't have the hand-eye coordination for that so then I I kind of basically mimicked sort of uh, vocalist that I was sort of uh, like had inspired me sort of thing and that's kind of how I fell into it like I still don't know if I'm doing it right like it's probably not good for my my voice and stuff no exactly like it's it's probably killing us to be honest but it sounds cool but guitar was always like a cool thing like all the cool people were playing guitar um, and when I realised, you know, I tried for a while to do it, and it just it gave up in the end. Then I was like, oh, maybe I'll, I'll have a go at bass. That that's got to be easier bass. Yeah. Um, and I remember borrowing a friend's bass and, and just trying to do that. And I just thought, I'm never gonna do both, so I just just let it go. Yeah. Stick with the vocals. <laughs> that's fine. Well, what was kind of what was the the first band that you were in? What what sort of vibe did that have? Um, it was a punk band. It was called Chaos Baby. Okay. Um, I think I was, I don't know, it was probably about 19 or so, maybe a bit younger. And it was like, you know, the local scene, playing at Club 85, um, playing sort of around Stevenage, around Luton. And we used to get gigs in London and come up to them, but our drummer was only 14. Oh, wow. So like, a few times we'd come up to London and go and try and do a gig and they wouldn't let him in or something. Yeah. Yeah, so it was just ridiculous. But we thought we were really cool because we were getting these London gigs and we were doing it. And it was just like a straight up punk band. It was just quite raw. Mm. Um, the lyrics were absolutely terrible. <laughs> I, them now. I think there's one song that we still play with Pretty Pistol that I wrote for that band, but we've kind of changed it. Okay. But apart from that, like I've heard the songs back and I've listened to them back and it's just like, I think oh, when you're young, you just don't care what no. you're saying. Now <laughs> Like, why was I doing that? <laughs> and like you know you, you hear it you're just so ashamed of it and like now and then we'll be at a party and someone will be like oh should we put it on I'm like please <laughs> I'd be happy if it was just deleted out of my life to be honest no. although it did sort of like give me the groundwork to do other stuff but nah <laughs> <laughs> we've all done it and what would, you say obviously tra- travelling to, to London shows and things but what was when was kind of your first experience of of actual sort of touring and, and going further afield with, with music? Um, it was when we were... We were in Kelsey we were playing quite a lot. We, we were doing shows in Birmingham. Where we basically would play anything we could get. Yeah. And so if we managed to get sort of Birmingham and then Leicester at the same time, we'd go and do that. So we were sort of on the road anyway. Because one of the guys was driving. So we'd just go and just sort of sleep in the car or whatever. Um, and we loved doing that, but we weren't really sort of getting anywhere with it. Um, and then when I left Chaos Baby, well, that sort of ended. 
um, I, I moved to London and joined a band in London um, with a girl called Gemma Clark, who used to be in Baby Shambles. Oh, yeah. Um, so she contacted me through sort of Facebook, I think, and said she was putting this band together in London and asked if I wanted to do it. And my band had just broken up, so I was like, yep, definitely, got up there. Um, and then we did some stuff, like we went to Europe, um, and I think that's kind of when I saw the more serious side of it of actually doing it and doing quite good shows yeah um, and then that kind of you know that didn't last that long and then after that sort of took a break for a little bit and then I was just like I need to make a new band so I made Pretty Pistol yeah and then this is kind of like my baby like I'm so proud of it I'm so proud of what we've achieved with it in such a short time mm. that I'm kind of hoping I can do the same here and sort of take that as far as I can take it. Yeah. Well, before I get into kind of the the origins of, of Pretty Pistol, just kind of want to take a step back. So was that kind of play, playing in that band before Pretty Pistol, was, did that kind of open your eyes to, as you said earlier, like wanting to do music was something that you had always wanted to do. So that was kind of, was that almost like a cementing of, of that feeling of, right, this is going to be my life. I want to be in punk rock for, for the long haul sort of thing. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when we were, when we were in that that band, um, we were all sort of living above a music venue. Oh, awesome! And rehearsing in the music venue, and we were just playing all the time. That it kind of made you, like made us realize that, that could be our lives. I mean, we needed to obviously work to fund it, but it was when we were doing shows with that band and the shows were a little bit bigger that you kind of get that feeling like this is it. Like I have to do this. Mm. Um. And I think when we left that, and I think I did a year without playing any shows, that was probably the worst I felt in my life because I had nothing that was making me as happy as, as that feeling that I'd had previously. Yeah. So I kind of knew that I had to do it again, like that it has to be, it has to be in my life. Mm. So you say, obviously, Pretty Pistols, you're kind of like your little baby. So so talk, yeah. talk me through how you guys came to be and, and the, the formation of the band. Yeah, so when um, when I was in Chaos Baby, actually, our drummer, Emma, she was in a band from Birmingham called either Hush Whore or Kerosene Queen, and they were in the same sort of punk scene. So we didn't know each other directly. We just knew each other from, from being in bands. Yeah. Um, and I went to go see Hole play in Birmingham. Oh, okay. And um, we ended up meeting up with them. This was years ago. We ended up meeting up with Emma and the singer from that band and going to this gig, we were quite young, and then going and staying in this hostel and just like trashing the place <laughs> and And then I don't think we probably spoke for five or six years after that. And then one day she put up a post saying that she was moving to London and was looking to join a band. So I messaged her. And um, ever since then, we've sort of been working together. Mm. Which is just really weird. We had that one encounter <laughs> yeah. like, so long ago that none of us really remember that well. And now we're working together. Um, with Billy, Billy knew my old band. So he was sort of like out on the scene like, in Camden and stuff. And we were living in Camden at the time. So we met up with him and he ended up being on guitar. Um, we originally had a different bass player, a guy called Paul. Um, but he had a baby. Oh, okay. So he, yeah, so he left to move out of London, and then we got rich on Gumtree. Oh, wow. <laughs> turned out amazing. Which, you never know who you're going to meet, do you? I remember, like, 
putting out this ad being like, God, we need a bass player. We had gigs that we needed to play um, that we didn't want to cancel. And then the first person that replied was Rich. And we met up with him and we got him to come around Billy's house for a little rehearsal. And it was just a bit like, God, this could be so awkward. Like, if we don't click with him, it's just a random person. Yeah. But weirdly enough, and this never happens, it turned out so good. Um, and now he's with us. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, do you think that that's like uh, I'm not saying fate, but like the fact that you've you said earlier that obviously things have kind of picked up quite quickly for for you guys. So that yeah. that that's kind of an element to it is that you have obviously that chance meeting back in Birmingham, and then all of a sudden she's moving to to London. Billy obviously knowing your old band and and kind of yeah. things like that. That that kind of quickness has kind of added to to how sort of much you've pushed it because everything's kind of flowed so quickly if that makes sense yeah definitely I, I yeah I completely believe in fate and things are meant to happen for a reason and all of that sort of stuff um I think you know once Rich was in the band we just gelled so well like we worked so well together we write so well together that it was gonna happen mm. um and it's the same way that we we met our manager that was on a, like an off chance like Emma was at some work event that was something to do with music and he was there and they randomly were chatting um, and but they were drunk so, you know I mean? so it was just like an off chance <laughs> yeah. and, and then she sent him a demo and then now he's our manager and I, I think it, she wasn't even going to originally go to that thing so yeah. you know things like that like I, it all, I do always think about now and I think well what if that didn't happen where would we be and what would we be doing yeah because I honestly I, I don't know but <laughs> Well, obviously, when we kind of first started talking, you, you said obviously your discovery of kind of punk, you were sort of drawn to like the the kind of riot girl kind of sound of like distillers yeah, and bands like that. And I think that is very clear in in the music that you guys play now. So, is that something that obviously for you personally is if drawn upon? But is that something when you were starting to kind of discover what sound you wanted to have that? you guys discussed like what you wanted to to portray as as the outward message yeah i think i in my head i always thought it would be a lot more grungy um, okay but it just we just can't play it it just doesn't sound right with us <laughs> yeah. um so we would always talk about oh we want it to sound like this we want it to be really fast really angry and all this um but i think it's just the way it is like we've tried slower stuff and it just doesn't work um, there's plenty of songs we tried and it's just like it doesn't sound like us like get rid of it not bother with it mm. I think like the boys always want something a bit more sort of melodic I guess they want to do a lot more harmonising stuff with their vocals I'm more just I want the angrier the shoutier the faster stuff yeah so we do clash in some sense when we're like writing songs and i'm like make it make it louder make it louder <laughs> yeah. every time and then they're like well no that's not really gonna work why don't we add this to it? i'm like yeah you could but like just what about if it's faster always faster so yeah we do clash in some senses on that but i think we do all agree that the faster stuff is better yeah it just works better we, we write it better it sounds better for us we did do a couple of slow songs and it was just like it just didn't sound right. It didn't sound like us. Mm. It didn't sound like it was us doing something different. And when we were playing them live, we kind of just didn't know what to do with ourselves. Okay. We were just standing around, and it just felt a little bit awkward. 
so we've, yeah, we've got rid of them. <laughs> but they're still, I mean, one day they'll get their little harmonies in. So yeah. It hasn't happened yet. And obviously kind of on the, the right girl, so I don't, and I don't want this to kind of sound like a, a bit of a cliche, but do you think yeah. that for, for Pretty Pistol at the moment is kind of a perfect time to be around? Because I, for me personally, there's kind of almost like, a second wave of that Riot Girls kind of sound, yeah. like you guys, Petrol Girls, Screech Bats, uh, War on Women. There's n- nameless sort of countless bands that are kind of influenced by that that sort of scene that are coming about now. So, do do you kind of feel that now's a perfect time for that kind of, uh, I guess, kind of regeneration of that sound because more people are, are attuned to it and more people that were younger listening to that thing are now making music themselves. Yeah, definitely. I think now's the perfect time for it because it's definitely coming back. So many of the original Riot Girls like bands have like reformed themselves and toured. Mm. Like in the last two years, I've seen like L Seven, Baden Toyland, Jack of Jill play, whereas that would never have happened. Yeah. Um, and the bands that are out at the moment are just so good that are doing it, and it seems to be the shows are busy. Like there's, I don't know, there's a lot more people that seem to be into it. But there's bands like Hands Off Gretel, who are doing so, so well. And then you've got, like, the more punky ones, like Drones and stuff like that, that are doing really, really well. Um, I do, yeah, I think I think it's perfect timing for it. Grunge seems to be coming back, mm. which is amazing, because it's about time it did. <laughs> yeah. It's been long enough. Um, yeah, people, like, seem to, like, seem to be into angry music again, which is really good. I'm and, kind of happy about that. <laughs> and for... For you, from your perspective, obviously, I think nowadays like, there's a lot of kind of changing within sort of the music scene. And obviously, as you've said, you've been in bands in, in the past and, and things. And I think there's a lot more um, openness and fluidity to what people want to talk about in, in their music. So have you found that in your time, maybe not just in, in Pretty Pistol, but in bands previously as well, like... The changing of attitudes have, has made writing for you personally easier, or is it more of a challenge? Oh, it's difficult. Um, I don't know. I guess it's easier. Like people are a lot more vocal on things these days than what they used to be. Mm. When we were writing things in Cow's Baby, it was more to shock people. Okay. You know, like write lyrics are just to kind of I don't know. I guess offend people <laughs> yeah. as well. Like it was just like we were young, we didn't care. Whereas now I think if, if I was trying to do that, we'd really struggle with that. Mm. But everyone's really open about wanting to talk about things these days, and I think that's so good. So I think people are a lot more free to write like that as well. Mm. I can't say, to be honest, that it's it's influenced my writing personally, but I think there's a lot of bands out there that it has. Yeah. But with me, it, it that's not the case. I think I'm just... It's really difficult. I'm just writing, I'm yeah. writing about what's going on in my life more than anything. Mm. I think most things are probably have a lot of influence on that, or about sort of stuff that's not even stuff that's going on around the world. It's just mainly just about me. Yeah, sounds quite bad, but yeah, I think it's more just on that. So obviously, you've got the the new EP coming out, sort of uh, beginning of next month. So. Yeah. So with that, is it is the kind of themes lyrically wise? Is, is it that kind of uh, 
outward look on sort of what you've experienced and things like that there's not so much kind of any spe- uh, specific like themes that run through it or anything like that as such um, with oh god with the ep it's it's quite dark okay so i noticed that my writing has got a lot darker and i don't know if that's because i'm in a good place personally that i can sort of open up that dark side and write about it yeah or i've sort of hidden it before but i think i don't know it, it's, it's quite dark <laughs> so a lot of the lyrics i have listened back to and we've sort of been like Yeah, and you mentioned obviously the the two songs you've put out so far, obviously Crywolf and um, Drive Me to the Dogs. Yeah. From from my perspective, obviously looking from an outsider in, it seems like people kind of are really sort of like vibing with those tracks and things like that. So for, from an insider's point of view, what's the the reaction to those been like? Um, Crywolf, when we put that out, the reaction to that was amazing. Uh, we were so 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 happy with it, and I think. We struggled to find our sound before that. Okay. And I think we really found it in that track. And the same with Drive Me. That's only been out for a couple of weeks, I think. Yeah. And we're getting such a good reaction. And we're getting a lot of new fans and sort of people reaching out to us that weren't there before, mm. which is amazing. So I'm so excited to get this EP out because there's two other tracks on it, which I think I probably prefer... <laughs> to those two, but we wrote them later, so it was kind of like, like but yeah, I think I think we're gonna get a really good reaction from the EP. Mm. Um, way more so before that. It's just nice to have new fans and like people coming up to your shows and just saying that they're really into it and they can sort of really get the music, mm. which is what we never really had before. So it's so nice to hear. And again, it, it might just be my perspective as an outsider, but it kind of seems, especially. I don't know, maybe as you say, because Drive Me is a bit of a newer track, but is I've kind of seen that being shared around quite a bit and things like that. So do you f- feel like there's, I hate using the word, but a bit of a buzz around you guys now that there's almost kind of with those two tracks being released that there's momentum going into the official EP release that could then propel you guys further into whatever you want to do later on down the line? It's, it's really hard to tell for us. Um, as well because I think personally we always think oh we're not doing enough we should be doing more Mm. but from the press side of things and from from the reaction to the tracks and just people coming up to the shows it it feels like there is a bit of a buzz yeah I just don't know how much okay (laughs) yeah yeah, it's really difficult because I mean like personally we're always like we should be doing this we need to do this um, but the, yeah, I don't know. We're getting quite good press from it. People seem to be really into it. Yeah. So I, yeah, I feel like there is a bit of a buzz. I just don't know how much of a buzz. Mm. But obviously, we want to progress that as much as we can. And I think with the EP coming out, that's going to push it as well. Yeah. And something else that I wanted to to talk to you about. There's, I know that you're kind of a, a strong advocate for um, safe gigs for women. Yeah. So I just wanted to kind of get your sort of well. 
not know how that's the wrong word but like how, how did you kind of get involved with, with them in the first place and for people that don't know can you sort of explain a little bit about what they do yeah cool um so safe gigs for women is set up quite recently um and it was basically set up just that you know there's a lot of like sort of sexual abuse at gigs towards women which mm. is really bizarre and it, it's a shame that there even has to be this organization um, so they have been set up to raise awareness about it. So they're going down to a lot of gigs and talking to people. And they've got quite a big buzz about them now, which is really good that people are really getting involved with it. And a lot of the bigger bands are too. Um, the reason we got involved with them, personally, I've never really had sort of any trouble at gigs. But I've had a lot of friends that do. And even Emma, like her old singer from, from her old band, used to get a lot. Mm. and you know we're friends with these people and it's just ridiculous how much it happens yeah. and especially a lot of it happens with like with female singers or females in bands we've been really lucky like we've had nothing sort of personally but because we know so many people that have we wanted to get involved and try and spread the word as well mm. as much as we could um, I think what they're doing is amazing it's just a shame that it has to be a thing yeah and it's obviously it's going to sound like a bit of a, a stupid question, but obviously in 2018 that that's still something that is being talked about in in the punk community, and I, and yeah. I myself think it's absolutely ridiculous and and shambolic. So yeah. what I, I don't know, like from a because obviously I can't, I can't really talk from a male perspective, but from yeah. a, from a female perspective like what what more do you think needs to be done because like it's really cool having these organizations but they shouldn't be needed if that makes sense yeah completely no i completely agree with you i to be honest i don't know what needs to be done like it's good that a lot of the bigger bands are getting involved but unfortunately there are going to be some people that it doesn't matter if they're a fan of you or whatever they're not going to stop and it's still going to happen mm. um i think the best thing we can do is just keep making people aware of it so when it is happening make sure that it's been talked about uh only through hopefully like a scare tactic that people will stop doing it yeah i find it quite sort of hard to believe that that's going to happen but at least it has been talked about so that's that is a massive step forward mm. i think we just need to keep doing that and do you think that having people like yourself that are obviously vocalists in bands that are almost have a platform that I'm not saying that these sort of things would ever happen. Well, I hope they'd never kind of happen at your shows. But yeah. if, like, some I don't know, somebody's there and they hear you say something like along the lines of of what sort of um, safe gigs are doing, and maybe just yeah. your your own personal views that they will kind of second guess themselves, kind of thing. Just because if they if there's a face to the message, it's a lot easier. To, if if that makes sense. Yeah, I really hope so. I mean, I think that's kind of why we're trying to sort of shout out at gigs and and get them to come down and represent and i think that's why a lot of the bigger bands are getting involved too Mm. just to sort of put the word out there and hope that it it does sort of make people question it because you know people are doing that and it's just them if you've got some like a face actually speaking to you and, and and talking to you about it and telling you how shit it is then maybe it's going to sort of push you back. Yeah. Because we've got people fighting against it. So I, I really hope so. I really hope that it does make a change. Cool. 
and and obviously as we've mentioned, the EP comes out sort of uh, beginning of April. So what's yeah. what's the plans kind of once it's released? Is it sort of hope to tour off the back of it, or of, um, sort of early yeah, stages at the moment? We've got a couple of gigs coming up, so we're doing a gig. It comes out on the thirteenth, Friday the thirteenth. Um, so we're doing a gig in Croydon at the Scream Lounge that night and then we're doing a gig on the 14th in London so the next day at St Mortis in Soho okay Mortis, yeah um, and then we've got a gig at the garage on the 26th of April with either plays dead so we're doing a few shows sort of to surround it but um, we're going to bring out another one of the tracks as well I think we're going to drop a video on the day that the EP comes okay, out okay awesome um, just to give it sort of something with it as well um, and it's a really really cool track too so I'm hoping that will give it sort of a little bit of buzz and it's nice for people to have something to watch yeah yeah. you can just be like oh I'm going to release an EP and everyone's like okay cool um, if you give them like a video it just makes it a little bit more interesting yeah um, and then yeah I guess hopefully tour like it'd be really good to put a tour together um, for summer I guess yeah maybe jump on some festivals I guess as soon as this comes out, we'll start thinking about what we need to release next. Yeah. So it's very, I mean, we've, you know, we've had this recorded for a while. It's not like it's a new thing for us to mm. sing for a while. So it's constantly what's next, what we're the next, what we're going to do next. Um, which I'm guessing we just need to start writing again. <laughs> yeah. It's constantly cool. writing. No, 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 I know that feeling. Um, cool. Laura, what I, how I'd like to kind of uh, finish these is, is yep. to kind of round things all off. So um, I like to ask my guests what their favourite song is of their band, but with a little bit of a twist. So uh, what is your favourite Pretty Pistols song but that you like to play live and why? Okay, a favourite song that I like to play live is Come On. Yeah, and what's the um, reason for that? Yeah, it's basically got one verse and one chorus that's repeated over and over again okay. um, I don't know why because it's really hard for me to actually sing it and breathe at the same time <laughs> um, so I really struggle with it and it's not the song I'd never listen to it like listen to it because it just it's weird for me but it's just got the most destruction with it yeah it's kind of the song that we know that everyone's going to go a bit mental on um, so it's, it just tends to be like the boys are in the crowd everyone's on the floor rolling around there's like beer everywhere so I know that when that's coming up, I need to prepare myself. <laughs> yeah. so it's definitely that one. Perfect. Brilliant. Laura, thank you very much for your time this evening. Thank I really so appreciate it. Amazing. Thank you so much. All right. Take care. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. So there we have it, folks. A massive thanks again to Laura for having the little chat with me. As always, I love having these little more in-depth one-to-one chats. I think it really sort of brings a bit more life to to these episodes, and I hope you guys enjoy that. And yeah, it's, I'm I'm I think I'm finding my flow with this podcast this year. So um, hopefully, if a lot more kind of people to come in later episodes. I, I don't know what I'm talking about. Sorry. Um, 
As always, you can keep up to date with what Pretty Pistol are doing on all the various social media platforms, uh, which I will put the links to in the description of this podcast. Um, that's pretty much it for this week. Uh, I'm going to go see Code Orange uh, at the Wedges Rooms this weekend. Uh, they're being supported by my friends in uh, Employed to Serve, so I'm hoping to grab Sammy and have a qu- quick chat with him. So that'll be an- another upcoming episode. Um, but yeah, apart from that, I hope everyone has a really great rest of the week. Uh, and thanks for listening to the Justin Insight podcast. I'll see you soon.